I think about the parable of the wheat and the tares, like in connection to even the series that you're doing right now, how then shall we live? Well, we know the reality is that we're living amongst the tares. As you stated earlier, we know that at one time we were, in fact, a tear, but by God's grace, we are now, we are now the wheat. We right, we are there for it. And just knowing that we can't run away from it. The goal is not to run away from these situations and run away from people and go hide out somewhere. Right, we're to engage the culture with the gospel, mm-hmm. to be able to love them well, um, to realize that they're going to sin, and that's what that's their very nature. You said it. You said mm-hmm. it best. And just um, knowing that what we want is Mark 1.15, that they would repent and believe in the gospel. From Living Word Church, you're listening to the Living the Word podcast, encouraging you to walk steadfastly in your Christian faith. Welcome to another excellent episode of Living the Word podcast, where we seek to love the Lord with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our rumination station. Wow. Yes. Yeah. You thought about that one for a long time. <laughs> I think someone gave it to me. How many do you have left on your list? Uh, maybe 10. Uh, or 11. If you would like to comment below and some ideas for our very unique intro, you know, feel free to do that. (laughs) Well, Pastor, we have been going through an outstanding series on Sunday mornings uh, titled, How Then Shall We Live? Um, It's made uh, a big impact in my life, and I've talked to a lot of people that have been enjoying it. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the series. Yeah, so How Then Shall We Live? That's the title. It's kind of centered around the idea that we as Christians, uh, paralleling our lives to... um, kind of the book of Daniel and the Hebrew young men who were in exile in Babylon and how they were coming from a, um, a monotheistic view of God, that there was one God, uh, the God of Israel, and then they're plunged into Babylon where there's uh, a view of you know multiplicity of gods, thousands of different gods. And so they have very strong convictions that they're living by. And so how did they live? How did they respond? And so I'm kind of that's the premise of the series. How shall we live as Christians in the middle of a culture that um, thinks that the Bible is backwards? You know, how can we have the stance we have on uh, same-sex marriage? How can we have the stance we have on the, the issue of gender and abortion and adultery, pornography, just whatever the subject may be? How do we live as Christians with the belief that the Bible is the, is the truth, you know, that, that Christianity is the one true religion. How do we live? And so that's kind of the premise. That's what we've been going through. And uh, so we got two, three weeks left. Yeah, well, we thought it would be a great idea to kind of have a conversation covering some of the questions that may have come up in people's minds, but you don't have the opportunity to tackle every question, you know, from the pulpit on Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, so uh, what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think that is important in any message you have. Um, I've listened to many messages in my life and you think, oh, I wish the preacher would go a little bit further here or there. And I think in particular, you know, in week one, I kind of give a general message as an introduction as to how did we get where we are in our culture. But then we got very specific on the issue of abortion and the gender uh, issue we have within our culture. And then I talked about the homosexual uh, lifestyle and homosexual marriage and um, pornography, adultery, all these different specific subjects. And I can imagine that there would be questions that may pop up in people's minds. Okay, well, Pastor Ben, that sounds good. I, I believe what you're saying is from God's Word. And uh, But what about in my life personally when I'm coming up against some of these issues and how do I practically live this out? So that's kind of the premise of this podcast. We want to try to answer some of those questions. And today, since we are um, 
going to seek to answer those questions, I figured I'd bring in the resident expert. Yes. Uh, that's kind of pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> I figured we'd bring in uh, Pastor Matt Carnes. This is the that first time. That could be condemning, potentially, when they hear the questions. <laughs> exactly, right? Um, no, no, we just wanted to, I, I've been looking for an opportunity to bring Pastor Matt on to the podcast, and so we're glad to Thankful have to be Pastor here. Matt here. Yeah. He's always behind the scenes. He's yes. just working behind the cameras, making sure we're on time. And <laughs> well, I'm behind the cameras today, too, because I've got some mirrors set up for us, oh, too. Yes. So I'm in wow, two places what a multitask. It's not really, it's not a fallacy. I'm in two places at once. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. We're we're glad to have you. Well, let's get into some of our questions. Okay. Um, We're going to cover a lot of ground today. So the first question is, what should I do if I'm invited to attend a homosexual wedding? Yeah, you're, looking at me. Yeah. you're looking at me. What but... are some of your thoughts? <laughs> I'm going to volley it right over. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll have <laughs> some thoughts. Yeah. I'll have some thoughts. Yeah. But... You're up, resident um, expert. Yeah, here we go, right? Right out the gate. Yeah, well, I, I think just to kind of launch us into these questions, as we even talked in our, in our prep time, the kind of the banner verse that kept coming up in everything that we brought up was, was Ephesians 4.15. And it says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Yes. So I think that sets the bar automatically for us on how we engage these things that we know we have to, but it's going to have to be done with the truth of scripture and the love of God who is in our lives. So particularly in this one, what should I do if I'm invited to attend a homosexual wedding? Wow. Big question, right? Um, I've personally not had this asked of me yet. I have pondered this um, in in different situations, but I know this is a very common thing that that, that our culture is. There's a lot of layers happening here. There's a lot of relationships and yeah, it's messy. Yeah. And and I think the, the very first thing that we must do as believers when we have to engage these questions is we have to, we have to go to God's word. Right. And what does God's word say about it to be able to form our decisions and form where we move with that? I mean, look, God's given us a conscience that is when tested against scripture is to guide us into righteousness and, and holiness. So we, we go to God's word first and foremost, and we begin to define in this scenario, well, what is what is marriage? Right. Well, just as we talked in the first part of the series, marriage is between one man and one woman. There's a leaving and a cleaving. Genesis is clear on what the marriage relationship is to look like. So I think you start right there. And right there, we see that there's an incongruency mm-hmm. just, just right off the bat of what God intended. Secondly, knowing that marriage is an institution of God. It is a common grace, as you shared um, last week, and that even though a man and a woman may not necessarily know Christ, the fact that they have come together as Christ designed it to brings protection for society and brings wholeness and goodness for what God ultimately intended. So that right there essentially answers the question on the reality of you can't even call it marriage. There is no such thing as a homosexual marriage because it's not what God has intended and what God has instituted for marriage. So that, that kind of gives us a good framework. But then I think when you start to consider the attending of that, you have to consider what does that, what does that mean? What does that say? What does that communicate? I mean, just think practically in a wedding, if you're there, um, you are actually there as a witness yeah. to the ceremony. Right there, they you know many times a pastor will ask at the end of the thing, uh, anybody object? And right, we always make the the joke if somebody would actually stand up and do that. But I've never, I've never been in a wedding. I've always yeah. wanted to be in a wedding where that happened, <laughs> but it's never happened. I've been waiting. So you are a witness. Yeah. So yeah. by being there, which you're you, cheering them on. You you are you are in fact affirming something that does not honor honor God. Um, you also have to consider what did what did Christ liken marriage to? Well, he likened it to the relationship between Christ and the church. So to consider the, the the union of a homosexual marriage is just a complete blasphemous thought of what 
Christ intended for what we know as salvation, ultimately for ourselves, and the relationship that Christ has given us as men in relation to in relation to our wives, and that we are to care for them in the same way which Christ said the church, right? And which obviously, once again, we know that that just completely flies in the face of what God says, and it's a divine event. Marriage is is a, is a work of God in the life of it's a it's a mystery, right? Mm-hmm. How does two become one? But we know it's ultimately. We know it's ultimately true. And I think some of the arguments that come up in this is, well, by me being there, I'm showing that I love them and I care for them and so forth and so on. And I think there's an element of that that's pure, that someone would desire that. But then I guess what I would always say is, well, if you are in fact there, what are you doing to present the gospel? What are you doing to speak that truth into their life? Not just because it's truth and love, right? So if you're there to show love, how else are you there ultimately to show Truth, and I, I don't, and I don't know that that's really even possible because in the process of doing that, you're there affirming something that is not biblical. So I think, um, I think biblically, I think a personal conviction of mine, and as we have discussed here, is I think the answer is is that you you, you don't attend. Well, how do you? How would you? Just practically speaking, if if you you know sp- thinking of a listener that's out there, they get invited by their brother, their sister, their aunt, their uncle, whoever, friend, cousin. Um, come to my wedding and it's a homosexual wedding, how do they say no? How can they yeah. do that? Well, I think you, and, and, and we'll talk about this, many other thoughts, like we, we cannot dismiss relationship mm-hmm. with, with that person. If we genuinely care for them, if we genuinely, genuinely love them, then our desire is to speak truth in a way by which shows our, shows our love. So I think you call them, you know, you set up a coffee date, you set up a phone conversation, whatever that could be. And, and you, and you approach it, not from a place of, you know, this holier than thou idea, but a genuine care for them. But in that care, know that I'm not able to do this. And this is not because I don't love you. Actually, this is because I do in fact love you. And Mm -hmm. whether they get it or not, is really not up. It's not up to us. I mean, the Lord, the Lord is ultimately going to have to work in their life. But if we don't create a relationship with that person, how are you going to share the gospel with them? Because it's the gospel by which it's going to save them. We don't want people to just not be homosexual. We want people to be saved. Yes. Right. Because you can be you can go to hell in a heterosexual marriage as well. Right. Our desire is that they would know Christ mm-hmm. and that Christ would know them. And we, we have to talk That's and, good. and we have to we have to meet them in that moment. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Instead of just like a, you know, a blanket. No, I can't come. I can't condone that wedding. I, I think giving some type of reasonable, especially if you're in relationship with them. Absolutely. If That's it's, ministry. It, yeah. Yeah. It's good. And there's a difference between saying this is my opinion. And I'm standing on the objective truth of, of God's word. Scripture. Like I'm coming under scripture. This isn't my unilateral. I just don't like what you're doing. Right. You know, and it's like I'm bound to the word of God. Right. And this is where I'm going to stand. And we can't expect them to be bound to the word of God because they're apart from God. So we just, that's why we have a conviction of a biblical worldview outside of a secular. Yeah, that's good. That's my kind of kind of does segue well to the next question. Yes. How can I help someone in the LGBTQ lifestyle to see truth? Yeah, that's good. I, I kind of just really... I'll, I'll pitch this one to you, Pastor. Yeah, I think that kind of segues uh, right from what we were just saying. I think that sometimes we often think that we're going to try to convince somebody that's in a lifestyle of sin that their sin is wrong, You know, that we can try to convince them of that. Um, I think that if somebody is convinced in their conscience that they're not sinning, there's not much we can do to take how our conscience is, is, is informed and to press that onto them. You know, everyone has a conscience. Yeah. 
You know, our conscience as believers is tied to the Word of God. Uh, but somebody who's not a Christian, their conscience is tied to their feelings, to their emotions, to to whatever their worldview is. Their whatever their worldview is is influencing their conscience. And so, for a non-believer, whatever sin they're walking in, if it's the LGBTQ lifestyle, um, their conscience isn't convicting them because they believe the worldview that says that it's okay. And so, I'm not going to necessarily be, you know, I, I don't think I, I don't think I would be able to convince somebody in, the, in that lifestyle. That, that the act that they're walking in is sinful and the relationship that they're in is sinful. Um, I think my approach would be is that I, I want them to understand that that they are separated from God, that the lifestyle that they're living in, it's a reflection of a bigger reality, that they, I believe that they're what they're doing is sinful, but it's because they're a sinner. And so at this point, um, how do I get them to see the truth? I think it's through, as we were saying, through relationship, through gen- genuine investment, and through through preaching the gospel to them, um, helping them to understand who God is. Yes, you know that I think people don't believe that God is holy and that God will judge. You know, and there obviously there are people who are in these lifestyles uh, that do believe that God is real, but they have a, a faulty view of who God is. And they don't have an, a good understanding of the Word of God and, and God's law. And so I, I think investing in a relationship with them, investing in showing them that you care and you love for you love them genuinely, um, and then and then preaching the gospel, you know, yes. getting into God's Word and just earning that trust to the relationship, and then pointing them to Christ. And I think as the Holy Spirit works, they can slowly begin to see how the lifestyle they're in uh, is, is incongruent with God and his word. Yeah, because to not speak truth is to be unloving. Yes. Yeah. Right. Those things work. They, they work in parallel with one another. And if we're always angling to work into the conversation that homosexuality is wrong, then our priorities are out of, out of place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is concerned about their heart. Right. You know, this is the, it's the gospel that has to penetrate them. It's the gospel that will convict. Like we can't convict them by just looking for every opportunity to blast them. You know, we it's have to look for every social. opportunity to, to teach who Jesus is. Yeah, it's who not God just is. behavior modification is not what we're after. No, we're right. after a new creation yeah. in Christ. That's great. It's yes, it's the issue of root and fruit. You know, it's like if all, as I like how Matt said there, we're not here just to modify behavior because that's the case, then Christianity uh, would just be like any other form of religion where we're just focusing on the outside. But that's what separates the Christian faith, that God transforms us from the inside. And then from what happens on the inside of our heart, then lifestyle changes begin to take place. I think that's, so yeah, I think we had to just kind of change our approach. Yeah, that's excellent. And love. That's good. Yep. Absolutely. So our next question here is, what should I do if my adolescent child tells me that they want to identify as the opposite gender? I think, tough. yeah, right off the bat, um, as a parent, uh, I think that you, step one, you don't overreact. Yeah, absolutely. If, if your first reaction is, oh, no, 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 that's that's wrong. Let me set you straight. Or your or next reaction is, oh, I saw this coming years ago. You know, either of those are just... Um, you're cutting down every bridge. You're burning every bridge. Oh, you're angry. Oh, you're yeah. angry. Absolutely. And I, I think step one is don't panic. You know, let's let's move through this. I want to partner with you in, you know, uh, working our way through this. Um, what are some of y'all's thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I think our reaction as parents, <laughs> if I'm honest, typically whenever I see behavior in my kids that I don't like, I 
tend to overreact. <laughs> and yeah, I can imagine sure. the 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 greater the um, I guess we'd say the greater the the outlandish nature of the action or, or, or the greater the sin, whatever it is, our tendency is to react even stronger and stronger. Yeah. And so I, it, it's hard. It's easier yeah. said than done because we see what we believe is God's best and God's will for our kids' lives as we see it through Scripture. And our kids don't yeah. act that way. And it's right. not This is just one issue of gender identity, but think about all the ways in which we want our kids to align with God's Word and a biblical worldview and how that they, they don't. They don't even, you know, they don't clean the kitchen when we want them to clean the kitchen. They they, they don't obey the first time, you know, like... Um, just, Doctrine of work. <laughs> there's so many worldviews biblically we want them to live, yeah. and it's easy for us to just to get angry and to overreact when they right. don't. And yeah. we, we lose sight of what Christ is after yeah. is the heart. Again, it's the it's gospel the, for it's, their heart. It's, it's the original sin is the issue, not the actualization of that sin. That's, mm. that just happens. We've, we're, we're, we're aiming for the heart. And I think if we're not careful, what we do is, is we provoke our children mm. in that situation there mm. to, in the wrong direction, which is a clear, clear, clearness as fathers, particularly to not provoke our children. So I think what you said, there's just, just spot on, just remain calm. So, so Dom, just a question, just to volley sure. it back to you. How many times do you think your kids or our kids will have ideas that come into their head that that just you know are not right? Totally right? deny reality. Deny reality. Like oh, yeah. every day. Yeah, especially <laughs> as having young kids. Absolutely, it's hilarious some of the stuff they come up with. Yeah, I mean it's just the nature of children. Like they're gonna have thoughts that aren't congruent with reality, and and so. I just think because of the way everything is charged in our environment, in our culture now, in this area of gender, I think the initial reaction. So, but what should I do if a child says they want to identify as the opposite gender? Don't overreact. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I would. Uh, I'd, I'd wonder what their influences were. I'd want to investigate like what social media apps are they engaged in? Who are the friends at school? I think asking about and learning about those influences are going to be absolute key because, as you it. pointed out, yeah, like it's these social media things that are just dumping garbage into our kids. Uh, I mean, when we hand our kids phones, we're handing them a loaded gun, Mm -hmm. you know, and if there isn't a whole lot of, of accountability connected to Mm -hmm. these influences, um, we really are just setting them up for failure. And uh, our, our society wants them there after our kids, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. I think there is a, a clear agenda by those who are in the LGBTQ movement to reshape society as a whole. Absolutely. To totally do it with all, and some of them will say this, but not all of them, but, you know, they, they want to do it with all the biblical views of marriage and family and sexuality. It's a clear agenda. And so, yeah, I mean, the garbage is on the social media platforms, on Disney Plus, on what other streaming platform that you're that you that you've downloaded. It's there, ready and available to shape the minds of our kids. And so I think I think investigation. So don't overreact. Investigate. Absolutely. That's that's a great, great next step. Invest. Invest. Yeah. Now talk to me more about that. Yeah. I mean, like just find ways to engage your children. I mean, you know, I think quite simply we consider things like doing Bible studies with them, going through books that maybe line out godly behavior and age appropriate, right? And depending on what's going on, you know, maybe taking a trip. I think Pastor Ben talked about that. You know, maybe it's time to take a trip where you can get out there and just be engaged and involved in their life. What we want as parents is every opportunity possible. Yes. To shine the light of Christ in their life and, and, and to speak biblical truth 
in, into their lives. I mean, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way in which they should go. And that when they're older, they may not depart. Yeah. It's not a guarantee, but that's a that's a call to you and I as parents on how we are to engage them. So Deuteronomy 6, right, where, where they sit, where they lay as we walk, right? It, it, what he's saying there is just every area of life, yeah. engage your children. And how does a young person keep their way pure? Right. You know, investment into the word of God. Exactly. You know, hiding God's word in their hearts. Um, now, you had spoken to counseling. Is there room for counseling and what would that look like? Yeah, I would just absolutely. I think, um, you know, especially when you're talking about that, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 year old, that's a, their, their thinking is a little bit more developed than, than a seven, eight, nine year old who may be having some thoughts. Um, but I believe just to be very cautious. I think, and I talked about this in the week two when I dealt with this issue of gender. The general standard of care when it comes to gender dysphoria in the secular uh, world of counseling is to affirm the child in the belief that they have. You know, so in the, the confused state that the child is in, maybe they're pre-puberty or they're just into puberty and they're having these thoughts. Maybe it's, you know, it's these influences that are coming from the outside influencing them. Uh, and so then the standard of care is just affirm them in their confusion. You know, if they want to change their pronouns, well, you need to, you know, the doctor will just use whatever pronouns they want to go by. Um, and so I think you just be very cautious about the counseling. I, I would encourage you to find a biblical counselor, Absolutely. a Christian counselor a pastor at your local church. Um, if you're part of Living Word Church, we as pastors would love to meet with you, uh, you and your child, um, and just help you walk through that. So counseling would be, I think, a, a, a step, but to be very cautious. Yeah, I think through this process, we have to acknowledge that they're not bringing this to us out of the blue. They didn't think of this this morning. Yeah. You know, like their feelings are are real. They're invested in this. And we and we have to treat them with compassion. And even though their feelings are real, their reality may not be. Their perception of reality may not be. But they're still really feeling it. You Absolutely. know, And so we need to we need to care for them with love, mm-hmm. you know. And I think when you spread that out universally in our relationship with our kids and sinfulness is that we want our kids to tell us the areas of sin mm-hmm. that they're struggling with. Right. There are our initial response is, oh, yeah. you know, like, oh, no, I don't want to, you know, what do I do? But we want our kids to tell us what they're struggling with so that yeah. we can then shine the light of Christ into that, into that situation and that they wouldn't be fearful to share their sin with us, but that we would say, hey, let, let me walk with you through this. Like, I don't, it's not, la, 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 I don't want to know. It's no, I want to know because I, I want to have the impact that Christ has placed me in their life to have impact. Right, yeah, that's a beautiful. And to, and to speak to that, and we want to hear the areas that our kids struggle. With. And, and I think too, uh, kind of along those lines, when our kids do share things with us, this is back to the not overreacting. We have to internally not think that it's the end of the world. Exactly. With our kids, like for some of us, we think if our if our child came and told us this, or they told us that you know they've been sexually active, or you know just fill in the blank with something that we think would be just way out there um we have to realize it's not the end like yeah. these this is a momentary season that they're in this is a situation that maybe they found themselves in um it, you know it could be outside of the realm of gender and identity and sexuality it could be a, a just a, a mistake that that they've made um at school or or wherever you know we need to realize that you know that it's not the end yeah. that 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 this engagement this discipleship you know, that God can use us to, to help shape them and mold them. And who they are now will not be who they will be later. Yeah. And that God's doing the work. 
I think we need to engage as parents long before those conversations ever come out. You know, we are discipling our children. They are our first disciples, you know, and our primary disciples. And we're constantly affirming biblical truth. We're constantly affirming who they are in Christ. And, And I think that's so important, too, is that we've already trained our children you know, up until this point. And maybe, maybe some of our listeners are new Christians and they're like, I wish I'd jumped on this boat, you know, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think it's never too late to invest. It's never too late to disciple. It's good. And God is sovereign. God is sovereign. So we've covered the questions on attending a homosexual wedding, loving someone who is in the LGBTQ lifestyle and discussing, Uh, with our child if they wanted to identify as the opposite gender. So our next question is, what are some practical ways that can help me overcome a problem with pornography? So if one of our listeners is dealing with pornography, let's give them some practical thoughts on that. Pastor Matt, you want to take this? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, I I think the very first thing is that the very fact that you are cognizant and aware that you're struggling with something kind of sets the stage for, 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 for why you are even wanting an answer to this question. So I think the very thing is, is that it needs to be exposed. That mm. sinfulness in your life needs to be exposed. Uh, we do understand that in some cases that happens in grand fashion and someone may be in fact found out. But however, the Lord ultimately chooses to expose that in our lives, whether it be through uh, some sort of situation that's painful and has great consequences, you know, within, in your current relationships, or whether you're sitting there right now listening to this and say, I need to come out with this. This needs to be exposed. I think when you look at Ephesians 5, it really speaks to this. You know, as he's speaking to the church there, because he says in verse 8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Yeah. Right? There's a there's a light exposes darkness. Light breaks through the darkness. So the very first thing is that we need to we need to confess that there is in fact sin, right? It's a secret. It's a hidden sin. It's why it's so destructive in in the lives of men, women, any universally mankind. So exposing it, right? First of all, whether that means you're going to, um, obviously to God first and primarily, but you need to find someone. And I think this kind of leads into the next practical element is, is like you need to start to build in accountability in your life. Um, with another person that you can trust and yes. do so. Now, there's some tact on on how to do that, right? You know, because we're talking about some things here that wreck marriages, for example, right? So, so I don't, I don't casually speak to what this looks like. I think you need to seek some counsel, right? If you're if you attend Living Word Church, for example, reach out to one of the pastoral staff um, that you're comfortable with to talk to, and let us help you kind of walk through that because. That is the first element of exposing it, bringing some accountability into your life, and then beginning to think about, okay, now how do I sustain this accountability, right? Because it's more than just that one thing. Like if, if you're really struggling in pornography, you have literally eroded elements of your mind and its ability to respond mm-hmm. differently. So there is, so just as that happened one act in one situation at a time, you're going you're gonna to come out of it by the grace of God in the same way as it's met with God's word, right? Ephesians 5 talks about how there's a washing of the water of the word of God in our life. So that accountability then has to be attached to the study of scripture and the truth of who, of who Christ has created you to be, why that is sinful, why that is, why that is wrong. You're, you should be repentant before the Lord, before those that you have had and I realize there's all kinds of dovetails to take down there, but knowing that 
as we talked about earlier in First Corinthians ten, that God has given us a way of escape mm-hmm. in verse thirteen. Yes, right? you can do this. This is possible. You'll start to, you know, think about what are the triggers and what are the different things that put you in those situations, and every time those things are to be met with the word of God and accountability to brothers and sisters in Christ. That's good. I think that's kind of broad picture, right? A lot to go there, but absolutely. What do you guys add to that? Yeah, exposure. You know, um, accountability, uh, spiritual disciplines. I think kind yeah, of those are the that's good one. those are kind of the three areas there, and I, I think that a lot of times we we can minimize pornography. Like mm-hmm. we can we can think that you know, well, I don't really have a problem. You know, uh, we can think that well, this is just you know, it's kind of just like uh, something I do maybe once every six months, once you know, you know, once a month, whatever. We it's not a daily habit, and I think. Sometimes we need to we need to realize that um, that area, you know, if it's something that we are continually going back to to find satisfaction, to find um, to find something that we feel like that we're that we're missing, um, that it has a stronger hold on our heart than what we realize. And um, so I think for some people, they feel like they don't have a problem. I think for those who might would ask that question and they know they have a, that they know that they, they have a problem, you know exposure you know you, you've got to get it out yeah you need to talk talk to your pastor talk to your friend talk to somebody that you know will will, will help you this is a sin that has to be dealt with brutally you know when jesus jesus uses graphic imagery if your eye causes you sin if your hand causes you sin gouge it out cut it out like what in your life is causing this sin and get it out like it may take some sacrifice like oh, i'm pitching the computer i'm pitching the the phone whatever it takes i'm going to have to confess to a couple different people or set up accountability things on my on my yeah. you know phone or computer or whatever uh, which people bypass all the time right. but i think this is this goes back to what are you willing to get rid of for the sake right. of purity for the sake of of walking in holiness with the lord it is interesting yeah. the the secular world now is recognizing the dangers of porn hmm. my you, there's plenty of studies that are out there that are that are actually warning men and women from engaging in pornography because of what it does to the human brain i think matt right. even had even mentioned that so it's not just a christian worldview mm-hmm. you know that that is telling you you shouldn't do this yes yeah. it's a sin but even the secular world is recognizing yeah. that it's harmful yeah, because I think we can kind of disavow it in some ways because it's, you know, it's it's in privacy. But if you're a married man, it's adultery. Yes. If, if you're an unmarried man, it's it's fornication. Like it is a sin because you said it earlier, Christ is interested in what is happening at the heart, right? Not just the actualization mm-hmm. of that sin. And yep. uh, it, it needs to be, as you said, dealt with swiftly. Accountability apps on your on your phones, on your computers. I, I have one, everyone in my family has one, right? And we, we do it here at church, right? Not because there is a problem. In some cases it is, but we, it's preemptive as well because we don't want there to be. Because yeah. some people can have this pride of like, well, man, uh, you know, why should I have this kind of restriction? Uh, you know, this is my my thing. It's like, yeah, I guess you can take that. You can take that idea, but man, that's not wise. That's mm-hmm. just setting yourself up for, and it's not it's not God honoring. Mm-hmm. It's basically saying you're taking it into your own hands. And we we don't take anything in our own hands. We need the Lord to to be the one that guides us and leads us in, in our lives. That's good. Good. Um, I I like to use the the imagery. Like I talked to you guys earlier of if you are coming to a field and you want to cross the field, 
And the first time you cross, you have to push through this grass and the thorns and you have to try to make your way from one side to the other side. And it's difficult, you know, maybe if people's um, earlier experiences of pornography, like their heart rate's going, they feel guilty about it. Something's, you know, they're feeling conviction and, you know, looking over their shoulder and stuff. But then as you cross that field a second time and a third time and a 10th time, you you build this footpath. And now mm-hmm. it's easy to go from from temptation and urge to sin. And then soon you're, you're laying a concrete walkway and then you're building a two lane road and now it's a four lane highway and you're doing 70 miles an hour. And so as soon as there's temptation, it takes no time to go from point A on this highway to sin in this highway. And to speak to exactly what you're saying, I think we need to set up as many off ramps on our highway as possible to, to, to be strategic, to come up with a plan like these. I've got 10 off ramps. I'm going to listen them out. And the first time I feel this urge, the first time I feel tempted, I'm going to like, I'm going to off ramp one. And you know what? And if that off ramp has gone, I'm looking for off ramp two. And some of those off ramps can be calling someone. Um, they can be taking a walk. They could be call up your wife and tell you love her. You know, like you can come up with as many uh, creative off ramps for you as, as possible. And the more you put on there, uh, I think you're setting yourself up for success. Uh, what do you think would be some other off-ramps that we could encourage people with? Any way you can find accountability. Yeah. I, I mean, whether it's calling your wife, calling your friend, calling a pastor. Um, yeah, getting up. Yeah, changing <laughs> I, rooms. I may not be hungry right now, but I'm going to go through a drive-thru. I'm going to get my car and I'm going to go drive. Yeah. I, I, I think it is a great quote by John Owen. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Right? Yeah, that's good. Just knock it out be, be done with it one off ramp i think I mean, not 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 bringing your smartphone into the into the bathroom yeah, with you. That's a good one. i mean bathroom bedroom like keep it out, out of the those private, private those private times yes yeah. that's good that's excellent and for our last question uh, what does it mean to hate the sin but love the sinner pastor ben want to take this one yeah i think it's a good question to kind of wrap up all yeah. these thoughts uh, because i think that that's a very common question that you'll hear people say you're to hate the sin but love the sinner um, sometimes that statement can be used to even justify sin. Mm-hmm. You know, it can kind of could be like this license. Yeah, it could be like this license. But I think the heart of what this means is is that that it's rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is to say that we hate the things that causes pain and separation from God in people's lives. So like pornography, like gender dysphoria, like the LGBTQ movement, like uh, adultery, whatever the sin or the dysfunction may be, we hate what that does in people's lives, and we love people. We love the sinner, but we realize that what the Bible says, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. All of us baseline are sinners. And so we, when we look at somebody who's not a, a believer yet, we recognize, first of all, that that, that was us, that that could have been us, whatever area of difficulty or struggle that they're in we're no greater than them we're not better than them uh, and so we want to love them we, and we want to help them to see that the reason why as i said earlier that they're walking in these areas of dysfunction or struggle it's because of the condition of their heart you know they sin because they are a sinner it's it's the doctrine of the depravity of man the the heart of man jeremiah 17 9 said is 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 wicked and evil you know um who can who can understand it and know it you know that that by nature uh, paul said that we were or excuse me the psalmist david said that he was born in iniquity and sin and so i think i think that we love people you know mm-hmm. we, we hate what destroys them and we love them and we pray that god would use us to give them the only answer to the freedom that they that they that they uh, that they need. 
So I think that's what that means. Any thoughts yeah. you guys want to add? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's clearly, it's our call to evangelize. Yeah. Right. The, the loss and to present the gospel to know that, as you stated, they're sinners and that's that they're going to do that. Um, but how to, you know, I think about the parable of the wheat and the tares, like I, in connection to even the series that you're doing right now. How then shall we live? Well, we know the reality is that we're living amongst the tares. As you stated earlier, we know that at one time we were, in fact, a tear. But by God's grace, we are now we are now the wheat. We right. We are there for it. And just knowing that. We can't run away from it. The goal is not to run away from these situations and run away from people and go hide out somewhere. Right? We're to engage the culture with the gospel, mm. to be able to love them well, um, to realize that they're going to sin, and that's what that's their very nature. You said it. You said mm-hmm. it best. And just um, knowing that what we want is Mark one fifteen that mm. they would repent mm. and believe in the gospel. That's that is what we're after. That they would see sin. The same way in which God sees sin, mm-hmm. so that they can come unto righteousness. A little thought here, just before we wrap up. So often, I think people, people do if they're not careful, uh, they flip that script and they they maybe they hate sin, but then they 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 hate the sinner too. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that they they don't respond to them in the way that they would want to be responded to when they struggled in sin. And so I think. Um, if we're not careful, we can get that mixed up. That you know, Jesus loved sinners. Pulled him in. I mean, he he. What did it say about him that he was accused of being a drunkard and a and a and a uh, an adulterer and a, you know he was accused of being a sinner, a chief you know chief of sinners because he engaged with the sinners, he engaged with the outcasts. That doesn't mean we condone their sin. It doesn't mean that we don't speak truth in love. Uh, but it means that we, you know, we do in, engage them, and so I just think I think that's what it means. We 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 hate what sin does in people's lives, but we love the sinners. I mean, because we, we know God has it's His church out there. Though there are people out there that are His children, mm-hmm. and they need to hear the gospel. Absolutely, that's yeah. good. That's excellent. Well, thank you for joining us for another excellent episode. I think we've had a great conversation. Yeah, thank you covered for, a lot of ground. Thank you for letting me be here. It's oh, been a man, joy. It's been a pleasure having you. I mean, you've always been here, just right. back there, you know. Well, well, thank you for joining us. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to submit a potential question, a topic, or an idea for a future episode, or learn more about Living the Word podcast, you can visit us at livingwordhoma.com. We would like to say thanks to all of you who subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. Living the Word podcast is a production of Living Word Church in Homa, Louisiana, under the leadership of Pastor Ben Bufkin. Our prayer is that you will remain faithful to living the Word.